Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I'm starting a series here called Faith-Based, new series for a new year. Um, before I get started, I just want to give a shout out to our church staff. Um, you know, we had a busy holiday season, man, a couple services on Christmas, and, and then uh, we, we had a tag team service. And, you know, Kyle was up teaching. You know, he's like a pastor around here, man. He loves on people. And, and Adam Hale spoke, and I just really appreciate him, and he always comes with such sincerity and honesty. My, my wonderful, beautiful wife got to speak, and I'm just so blessed to have the team around us to do things like that. So they came and taught, and then right after that, man, we had uh, my friend Chris Michelson, the man I went to Pakistan with. He came last week. We had a great, great time, two services, and, um, and I'm just so blessed uh, for all the efforts and sacrifices. That team was out here this morning, first thing, a 20-something below out, and y'all made it out today, and I'm just so grateful to have such wonderful people around here. Aren't you grateful for this good team? I'm thankful for them, man. Um, busy time. We got through it. Great job, guys. Um, you know, I, sometimes people at the very beginning of the year, they kind of get a sense of like what God is saying, you know, for, for the year. And um, I, I, I'm not, I, I, that hasn't happened to me too much. But I'll tell you what, last year something interesting happened to me. I had a, a word the Lord put in my heart uh, that he told me when I was praying in November, it was going to be a year that required wisdom. And was it ever for me? You know, wisdom uh, is a principal thing. And it, it, what wisdom is, is your ability to see maybe problems and know how to have solutions for them. And that's what 2023 will be for me in my mind forever. Yeah. Now, I have a sense, as I was just praying the Lord about this year, he didn't say anything to me particularly about it, but I have a sense in my heart, this is what I, I was carrying, is that this is a year for me, this is a year for you to believe God. It's a year for your faith to grow. That's what faith does. It grows. So I want to just begin a series here on the subject of faith. I felt this stirred in my spirit. And I want to go ahead and read one verse here, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I'll read this and pray. Paul said, uh, for this reason, I suffer these things. But he said, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for the word of the Lord. I pray, God, that, uh, that you'd meet us and grow us. I thank you that uh, our faith would grow exceedingly. And I thank you that we would be a people who are persevering in our faith as we grow closer and closer to you until that day. And we just thank you for being here with us in this house in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Now, I have a friend, Pastor Derek Kirkman, and he told me a story uh, that I was, got a kick out of. Uh, he said he was pastoring. A woman called him to her house. She wanted prayer. So when he arrived, she went over to the freezer, and she got a shoebox out of the freezer. She got all the kids around the table, and, and, and she wanted him to pray because when they opened up that shoebox, inside there was a dead cat that had been frozen there for like six or eight months. And she was praying. She wanted to pray that that cat would come back to life. That's what she was praying. And so Derek, you know, he, he said he gave some counsel. He prayed for the family, and they buried the cat in the backyard. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of laugh about that story because, it, you know, I, I get to teach today this morning about what faith is and what faith is not. And not everyone understands the subject of faith. Not everyone understands the, the way it works. I mean, you know, faith is a beautiful thing. Um, it's like electricity in the natural world. It's a mighty power in the spirit realm. 
in the, in the natural, you know, you get lighting and you get power and you get juice. Well, that's the same thing in the spirit world. It, it's, it's got a power to it, a spiritual power that is incredible. Think about what faith has done in the Bible. In the book of Exodus, faith is what opened the sea. Uh, in the book of Joshua, faith stopped the sun. In the gospels, faith is what raised people from the dead. And the writer of Hebrews said that faith is the way that God created the entire universe. He did it with faith. So what is this incredible power? How does it work? Why does it not seem to, to work in certain situations? And I hope to answer some questions maybe about that today and, and that you may have had. Now, I want to highlight the verse here. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 verse 2. He said, for this reason, I suffer these things. But Paul said, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Someone say, I know who. I know whom I believe. He said, I'm persuaded that he, someone say he, is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. Here's the first thing I could teach you about faith that, that I've learned about it. it. It's super simple. It's super profound. Faith is a trust relationship. It's a relationship that you have with God. I remember the first time I ever read that in a book. It was by a man named Reinhard Bonnke. You know, our friend Chris was in last week. He used to work with Reinhard Bonnke. You ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? The German evangelist. It saved 79 million people over the course of his life, mostly in Africa. And, you know, he, he just said it so simple. Faith is your relationship with God. I mean, that, that is like the, the, the bottom line, the basis. That's sort of what the verse says. I know whom I believe. Faith is your connection with God. What, what is that relationship with God like? How well do you know him? How well do you trust him? You know, Paul said in, in Timothy, or in, in Philippians 3, he said that I may know him. And then he talked about the fellowship of his sufferings, some of the difficult things he went through. Here, you know, he began, I begin the verse, for this reason, I suffer these things. Sometimes when you go through difficult things in life, these are places you really get to know God. You really get to experience him. And I heard one lady say, you know, when the Bible says in the book of James that uh, you should count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Someone asked an elderly woman how long she'd been alive. She said, I've been alive so long that I, I no longer count a trial as a problem. I count it as joy. Because you know that God will come through in situations. I heard a teaching years ago that you should have faith in your faith. And th that's great. But, you know, I have faith in God because I know him. I, I trust him. He's a person that can be trusted. He, he's called the Father of spirits. And that means that he's your heavenly father. You can approach him. You can come before him. You can get to know him. You can enjoy him. You can walk with him. He knows everything about you. He's intimately familiar with who you are. And the thing that he's revealed himself as is a character that is good. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the fact that it's 15 below outside and you got snow out there, God is the same. He's still good. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. He can be trusted at all times, whether it's January or whether it's July. Come on, somebody. In January, we think of July. In July, you think of January. Isn't that funny? But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. And despite my feelings or experiences, he never changes, and he's always good. He loves you. He wants the best for you. He is a father watching out over you, and he's with you at all times. That's what I love about him. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Now, maybe you had an absent father. God is not an absent parent. He's a very involved father. That's why he likes to correct you and discipline you and comfort you. And, and, 
And he, he loves you. He, he's completely with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he, he's been with me through so many things, man. Think about all the things the Lord has been with you through. How he saw you. He was right there with you. He walks with you. He knows your pains. And he's still involved. He's a father. In fact, right now, what you ought to do is just reach up a hand to heaven. And you ought to tell the Lord, I love you. I trust you. I trust you in my life. I trust you in circumstances. I trust you to see me through things. You know, I was just on this fast this last week we were in, and I was doing that the whole week. Lord, I just trust you. I bless you. I love you. You're a good father, and, and, and I want to walk with you. Now, let, let me give you a second thought about what faith is, and I'm in the next verse here. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He said, hold fast the pattern of sound words. That's scripture and sound doctrine, the, the teaching of the Bible. He said, you've heard these from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, and he said, that good thing, that good thing, which was committed to you, he said, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Now, I, I was curious about that. What is he referring to? That good thing. I looked up the word in the Greek language, it's the word kalos, and what it's speaking, the word literally means a deposit that God has dropped in your heart, that good thing. Here's what it tells me about faith. Faith is, first of all, a relationship, but a second thing we could say about it, faith is a word. It's a word that God deposits in your heart. It's a word that he drops in your spirit. Uh, it's a word that he speaks to you. In, in the Greek language, another way of saying that is a rhema word. It's, 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 the, it's a word that means a, a word spoken directly to you in, in your spirit. Faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the Bible. When you hear the word preached, when you hear the word taught, when you hear God speak a scripture to you, that's where faith comes from. That's what grows. Now, the preeminent way that God speaks to you these days is through the Word of God, which is why you ought to read your Bible. This is the point where I get to make you know, the plug for the daily Bible reading plan. It's not too late to start that thing. I know people who are in it, who are doing it. I love reading through the Bible in a year. It's one of my favorite things. In fact, now I like to read even more of it through a year. Uh, I'm probably in it 45 times reading through the Bible. I, I just enjoy it. In fact, that's where I get a lot of sermons. I just read through it, and you know, it's a funny thing. Some days when you're reading, you know, the scriptures, it's kind of like you don't get a whole lot out of it sometimes. You don't feel all there, but there are other days, maybe you've had a coffee, and you feel pretty good about things, and all of a sudden, it's like the scriptures open up. You get insights. God speaks to you. I mean, it's an incredible time of fellowship, and that just tells me that sometimes if you want to hear from the Lord, you've got to learn how to wait on his word. Just wait for that word. He'll speak something to you. If you just know how to wait on him, just get alone with him, make time for him, and it will come to you as you read the Bible. You know, when I need a word, one will come. If I'm patient and I wait, it may not come like the moment I want it, but at some point when I'm studying, when I'm seeking, it will come. And many times it's a promise that God has spoken and his promises are yes and amen. You know, he'll remind you of things. And when he gives promises, let me just remind you, his integrity is on the line. He backs up the things that he says. If you can learn how to wait on the Lord, reading the scriptures, he will say something to you. The word of God is that deposit. It dwells up in your spirit. It's something that it's like alive on the inside of you. And, you know, I've had him at moments, like when I was down, I was weighed down by something. I was, I was burdened and, and I was praying and fasting several years ago. And at the end of that fast and prayer, I, I just asked the Lord, do you have anything to say to me? And all I got in my heart was three words. I love you. 
which is what the Bible says. And that may not sound like a lot to you, but it picked me up so much. He said, I love you. It encouraged me. You know, when I was wondering, you know, what, what will the next year bring? And the Lord put on my heart about 2023 being a year of wisdom. Man, I'll never forget that. It was for me. That meant so much to me. Or moments when I was worried. You know, we had one year here. Uh, it was like February, and it was cold like this the whole month, maybe four or five years ago. I don't know if you remember that. And, you know, it was so cold, it killed the heating and air conditioning units in the building. And so, you know, thank goodness we had some reserves in the hand, and we were able to <coughs> get them fixed. But, you know, I, I was like in here, I was praying about it. I was like, you know, we're out running out of money. What's going to happen? And I was, I was praying. I heard the Lord just speak to my heart. And he said, we would end the year better than we begin the year. Wow. Well, you know, it was amazing. It was just a few months after that, we had the largest donation we ever had come in. And just like he said, we finished the year stronger than we begin it. And, and I, I, I worried, but God saw us through it. Or when I was without, I didn't have a wife, but I prayed. I felt the Lord telling me to pray for a Canadian woman. Aha, I found one. Yeah, and the Lord did that, man. There's something incredible about just, if he put something in your heart, man, just trust him, roll with it. Uh, the word of the Lord, when he speaks a word to you, it will stay with you. Man, there's promises I can't forget. And they sustain me and drive. Man, Lord, with God, you said these things, and I really believe that in my heart. And, and I just, I hold on to that because I have a trusting relationship with God. The word, what's the word the Lord's put in your heart, man? I want to challenge you. Don't let go of it. Lay hold of it. It might be about your future, your, your family, children you want to get saved, good things ahead. Don't let go of the promises of God. If God said something, if you really said it, man, he will bring it to pass in his time. And that's how faith comes. It comes through the word of the Lord that he speaks directly in your spirit. Uh, now, a third thing faith is, we're in 2 Timothy 1. I want to go back to 1 Timothy 6. So just back up in your Bible, just a few pages. 1 Timothy 6, look at verse number 12. He, he, here's what it says. Uh, fight the good fight of faith. I won't say faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You want to know what faith is sometimes? Faith is a battle. It, it, faith can be one of those things that's a fight, a good fight, a struggle. Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And that word wrestle means what it says. Sometimes faith is a wrestling match where, where you're just holding on to something. And, and you are pushing back on the devil and resisting him in the faith. And that does require some weaponry. That's why Ephesians 6 talks about the helmet of salvation. It talks about the shield of faith. It talks about the sword of the spirit. Because the devil does not want you to receive what God has for you. And this is the place where you have to stand firm on some things. Yeah, that's also Ephesians 6. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. It says it like four times in that passage of scripture. You know, you're going to win the battle. But it requires that you have grit, a little patience, a little determination. Anyone ever heard of TED Talks? So there was a TED Talk. That's like a, a podcast where they share about, you know, business people give ideas. And the lady said they were studying successful people. And she said, if you could break down success into one word, it would be the word grit. You have to have the ability to keep on going when you don't feel like it, to keep on pushing, to keep on standing when things don't work out. And I think there's a lot of the reason our generation's in so much trouble is because people don't have grit these days. It gets to be 20 below how y'all on Facebook land. 
Grit will keep you going. <laughs> you can't give up when you don't see anything. Faith will possess what grace has purchased. I was thinking about my friend Dick DeWart. Remember that guy? He came down here, uh, here back in the fall, and he needed a million dollars for his building. And it was July. He had 25000 in the bank. He had to have that by September. And through miraculous means and standing, he said, I just stood in faith. God brought the money and he got that thing paid. It was incredible. He said, I'm standing in faith. Two kinds of faith you got to have. There's first of all, saving faith. That's the faith that comes alive when you hear the word of God. When you hear the salvation message and you don't trust in your works, but you trust in the finished work of the cross and the blood of Jesus, something comes alive in your heart. And that kind of faith gives you entrance into the kingdom. That's how you get saved. It's saving faith. But there's another kind of faith which is called persevering faith. And this is the faith that's required to live by. Persevering faith is what will bring you into your inheritance. Your inheritance is your destiny. It's the things that God has called you to do. It's the purpose and the plans he has for your life. Man, I think about the ministry. It is no joke, man. It's not easy. It's way harder than I thought it would be. And it requires faith to stand. It requires persevering faith. It requires that you don't give up. It requires that you keep moving forward. This is the kind of faith uh, that, that brings you into your eternal home. That's what he said. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That, that's the narrow gate. That, that's where you go through some suffering. You might have to deny yourself. You might have to struggle a little bit, wrestle with the devil, resist him. And this is the sort of thing that pleases God. It pleases God. When you believe him in spite of difficult situations, when you press forward, when you walk with him in difficult moments, it blesses the Lord. That's persevering faith. This, without faith, the scripture says, it is impossible to please God. If you're going to come to God, you believe he is, and he's a rewarder of people who trust him. There's something about going through difficult things and persevering and enduring and believing God that pleases him. Do you want to please God with your life? That's what faith is. It's a relationship you have with him where you know he's bringing you through something. It's the kind of thing that understands that it's a word that God may have spoken to you personally and directly and a battle you endure. And so that, that's what faith is. I'd like you to go with me to Psalm 78, uh, just back in your Bible to the Psalms. And I want to highlight three things faith is not. If I showed you what faith is, I want to give you some things that faith is not. And I like the 78th Psalm. <laughs> what it is is a, a history, a recap uh, of the things that Israel went through. And uh, it's a longer psalm, very insightful. I'm going to start in Psalm 78. Look at verse number 9. He said, The children of Ephraim, uh, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Now, I, I like coming across verses like this because I, I like to look them up. You know, there's an interesting thing here. There's no specific reference that this is talking about. Like when Ephraim went into battle... Uh, they, they can't give you a, a direct spot from it, but it does refer to Israel's struggle to take the promised land. Now, you, you know the story of Israel coming to the promised land. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they had the 12 spies that went out. There's Numbers chapter uh, 12, 13, and 14. And remember, 10 of the spies said, oh, this is no good. We're, the giants in the land, we can't do it. Only two of them came back with a good report. And because of that, the Lord said, you know what? You're not going to believe my promises. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't like hearing that. And so they decided 
that they were going to just go ahead and take the promised land. And I want to highlight what Numbers 14, verse 44. So it says that they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. So instead of listening to the Lord there, after he'd rebuked them, they said, no, we're going to go there. But they did it presumptuously. Without the Ark of the Covenant, and out with Moses, he departed. Here's what it tells me. That faith is not presumption. That's the first thing faith is not. Presumption is behavior that kind of pushes the limits. It goes beyond things that are permitted or appropriate. And Paul said, even in 1 Corinthians, you should not go beyond the things that are written. And yet I hear people who teach like exotic theology. They, they kind of get outside of the bounds of scripture. That's actually what the devil tried to tempt Jesus with. Remember there, when he was tempted, he, he, he tried to jump off the pinnacle of this temple. It's 90 feet down. Throw yourself out there and and Jesus refused. He told Satan, you will not tempt the Lord. Presumption is like foolish behavior. So faith is not foolishness. It does not attempt life and death feats. You know, I was talking about the guy that uh, had this doctrine that you could fast your way through anything. And to prove his point, he decided that he would fast while he was hiking up Mount Everest. Now, they never did find his body. But that was presumptuous behavior. And I remember I met one guy and he was telling me how he was giving away 40, 50% of his income. And, and you know, he had a family and kids and guess what? He'd lost his home. He had to move into a trailer because that's not necessarily something required. It was like he was trying to overdo some things. I don't think he has a home yet today. I've seen people who die because they don't go to the doctor. And, and that's perhaps presumptuous behavior in situations. So there's no foolishness to faith. Faith is not an arrogant thing. You know, I find that some of the most difficult people to deal with are what I call super spiritual people who are filled with pride. I have a pastor friend. His dad was pastoring and, you know, he grew the church up to about 200 people and then his son took over the church. So the church kind of began to go through that transition, begin to shrink and they had a property and behind that property, that building they were in, they had some land. And in order to make ends meet, they decided they were going to have to sell that property. Well, they sold it to the bank. The bank said, we'll take that property. We'll buy it. My friend was like, you know, the Lord has spoke to me that, that they're going to buy that property and they're going to give it back to us. So what the bank did was they built a brand new bank behind that property. And he said, well, that's interesting because I didn't think God would give us a bank building back. And I'm like, no, brother, you just missed it. Just calm down there a little bit. It's funny because people will double down on things and, and there's the arrogance to that. And I've seen people get presumptuous, foolish, arrogant. By the way, there is a fine line sometimes between operating in faith and presumption. Uh, sometimes, you know, stepping out in faith might seem a little questionable to people. You know, I remember I, I started the church when I was 25. People ask me about that. I tell them it's ill-advisable. <laughs> but we somehow managed to pull it off. You know, my grandma gave me a card the day I started the church. She, she wanted to give us one of the first to huddle. That card had a picture of like a little boy and he was fishing in a puddle. <laughs> I remember seeing that little picture of a boy fishing in a puddle and grandma was like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> oh, but I'm grateful, man. I, I, I'll tell you one thing I always want to do when I think about stepping out in faith is I, a personal prayer. I don't want to presume that I know something. I want the assurance and the witness that comes from the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to step out in something, I really want to know the Lord is with it. I don't want to act with presumptive behavior. I'm not going to go into the land and take things if the Lord is not with it. It's, it, it's a fine line, but it requires you really know that you've heard from the Lord. Now, a second thing about faith, what faith is not. 
And I'm jumping down to the 18th verse, Psalm 78. Look at verse number 18. It tells us that the children of Israel tested God in their heart because they were asking for the food of their fancy. Now, they, they had been getting manna from heaven. But you know how it is. You want meat. I mean, who doesn't want meat? My, my son, right now, every time we come home, he wants brisket. We gave him brisket one time. He wants brisket all the time now. <laughs> I'm like, I get it, but we got no brisket today, bud. So it says in verse 19, they spoke against God and they asked the question, uh, can God really prepare a table in the wilderness? If you could read the tone that they're saying right here, their tone is demanding. We're tired of manna. We want some meat, God. And here's what tells me about faith, that faith, faith is not demanding. It, it's not, you know, yelling at God, being upset with him. And you know, this is an attitude uh, that kind of gets you in trouble. God, you do this or else. And I've done this to God. I've had prayers like that. He's not required to always answer them. And, and I know I'm doing it because now I have children, and that's exactly how my children do things to me. They get very demanding on things. Now, God did answer their prayer. He gave them quail. He said, you want meat? Here's quail. And you know the story that they were eating the quail. It was in their mouths, and they began to die. They died with their chewing it. It was dropping out of heaven. But their attitude was wrong. See, faith is not uh, something that is demanding. What faith is, is content with the things that God has done for you. Faith is satisfied with what God provides. It does not demand a Maserati when a Mazda will do just fine. <laughs> you know, I got an old Suburban, all right? Now, that thing is a tank. I have taken that thing on road trips to Canada, and I've gone up Hell Roaring Plateau with it, and it, it, it's just a, a super solid, dependable, reliable vehicle. I, it's 20 years old. I, I, I'm getting ready to get a new one here, but I'm, I'm grateful for that thing, man. Your children can mess it up, and it's okay, because that's what kids do. They mess things up. You know, the homes that we've had, I've remodeled three homes. They're not perfect homes, but no home is. I, I'm grateful for what we have. Faith is satisfied with when God provides. God's timing, well, it might seem funny to you, is perfect. He's impeccable with it. You know, and I, I think about some key moments in life, children running. I look at the family I have now, and if you get here early enough in the morning on a Sunday morning, what you'll hear is screaming children running throughout the building. And it's my kids and their cousins, and they're running around creating a mess. And I just think about how the Lord did that, man. We got like all these kids at the same age, like my kids got cousins. That's a wonderful thing how God did that. He put it all together, man. His timing with that was perfect. How he orchestrated those events, key moments in life. He's been there. I do get impatient with God. Don't get me wrong. But experience tells me that when the chips are on the line, his time is perfect. He comes through in moments and ways that take care of me. And I'm satisfied with that. Faith is also satisfied with the way that God provides, how he does it. And it doesn't always come in the ways that you think it will. You know, I remember when we, we bought this piece of property down the street down there, and we were going to build on that property. And it turned out, you know, we were unable to do that, but this building was available. And it's turned out to be a much better buy, way cheaper. And we sold the property. We got the place paid for, which is like a miracle. And it's bigger, better parking, you know, and God did that. And it was not the way I expected it. It wasn't the way I drew it up, but God did it. And I'm satisfied with that. I'm grateful for the fact that he did it. I get to be satisfied with the way he does things. So I don't have to demand things from God. He knows the things that I need before I even ask him. And you know what? He's already got them in motion. 
He's thinking ahead, two, three, four steps ahead of the chessboard. He's got everything figured out. And my attitude, my frustrations, my sense of demanding on him is not going to move him. What moves him is faith when I trust him. Now, let me give you a third thing that faith is not. And jump all the way down to the end of Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 70. It says that the Lord chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfold. Remember, David was the shepherd king. And it says that he went from following the ewes that had young. That's the the mother sheep, the ewes, and and their baby sheep. And, And he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. I mean, you know, David's the one that wrote the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, and I will not want. And what it tells me about faith is that faith is not striving. Faith is resting. Uh, there remains a rest for the people of God. That, that's Hebrews chapter 4. God wants to bring you into rest. And there's an Old Testament word for faith, and it conveys the idea of a baby resting in the arms of its mother. And that's kind of what the verse is in saying right here, that that you got mother sheep with baby sheep and they're resting beside the still waters with the shepherd. Maybe you need to get beside some still waters in your life. Because I'll tell you what happens when you start striving is you sort of get out ahead of God. You start making unnecessary mistakes. And that's what happens. A lot of times you choose good things rather than waiting for the best things. The rest, you, man, if you, if you weren't striving and you're moving at a pace where you're, you're, you're able to rest, you, you could wait and see God do good things. I mean, that's, that's how I met my wife, Elizabeth, man. I waited and God brought the best opportunity for me. I'm grateful for that. Because you know, when you get, when you get single and, and you're about mid-20s, you really start getting nervous about it. You could start striving. But I waited and found the right one. You know, we strive when we get too busy. Man, I watch people burn themselves out because they get overexhausted. And you wear yourself out when you're trying to keep up with this person and that person. And, you know, I had to laugh. I went to uh, Pastors University a few years ago. And Pastor Larry was telling us a story about how pastors get burned out because they're watching some other guy down the road and his church is blowing up. And, and so they're like, we got to do it like this guy. We're doing this and that. And you're trying to keep up and you're pushing and you're wearing yourself out. And what he said you don't know is the guy that's doing all that, he himself's about to burn out. Because that's what happens with people. You get pushing, pushing, pushing so hard instead of walking with pace. And you know what happens when you get busy? Isn't it funny? When you're busy, things get noisy around you. It's like that constant go, go, go everywhere. It is a white noise. And then it's not that God isn't speaking. It's just that you're so busy and moving so fast that you're not listening. I mean, just kind of rolling along. And after a while, you don't hear the voice of the Lord. But I think about the things that God has said. He said, be still and know that I'm God. He said, in quietness and confidence can be your strength. There's something about not striving and staying in a place of peace where you can really hear what the Lord is saying. If there's strife, by the way, there will be no unity. Because you know what? You got to have agreement to make things happen at a job. They say the number one reason why people will leave a job is because of poor management. They get frustrated by that disunity. They get frustrated by the culture that's there. It's like in a marriage. If there's constant strife in the marriage, your prayers will not be answered. That's what the scripture says. When you keep unity in the home, when you've got the peace of God right there, that's where prayers get answered. Uh, at a church, 
It's like when you have corporate agreement, man. If there's agreement, if, if you've got a place together of, of unity, man, you could see some great things happen. I had such a great time on this last fast we were on. I didn't care who came out. I know it was cold and snowy, but I was here. I was seeking the Lord. I was drinking tomato soup. I'm not going to lie, because that kept me going pretty good. But I felt like, man, I, I just love the unity that's in our church. There's a wonderful spirit of agreement here. There, you know, in the church of the Lord, you should have love. You should not have strife. You know what's strife? I have. I mean, just think about the chaos that's coming in 2024. I have heard more than one person say it. Do you realize the political chaos that we're about to embark in this season? This is going to be an election year like you've never seen. Very interesting time. And, and there seems to be all kinds of tension, all kinds of problems. And, and then you think about like the economy. And they said that there would be, you know, recessions and that didn't sort of take place. But you never know in today's world if the big crash is coming or not. It's like, it's like everything's just kind of holding on by a thread. And then you've got wars. Jesus said wars and rumors of war. I mean, think about the Ukraine. They say that there's a stalemate right there. You got Israel going on. And then, you know, you, you, you've got a powder keg in the Middle East. Israel, I, I read today, Benjamin Netanyahu said he's not backing down. He may invade, you know, Lebanon. I mean, think about what that could create in the world. There, there's so much uh, difficulty. And then you've got a society today that's in moral decay. You know, I, I was filling out applications for Peacock so I could watch the NFL playoff game. I had to get Peacock for that because I like football. And they wanted to know my gender and they had five gender qualities. I mean, no, male, not non-binary, not whatever. I mean, that, that we are a society that's adrift in a sea of immorality and confusion and it's creating instability in the world. I mean, there's, there's an incredible level of chaos. But you know what? I can have peace in the middle of any storm. I can have rest when the world is wrestling. I don't have to have strife. I don't have to be confused. I don't have to have turmoil. I can rest in the plan of God for my life. And that resting means I'm not trying to resurrect dead cats. I'm just believing that the Lord will see me through all kinds of things. Now, I hope that you maybe know a little bit more about what faith is. Uh, it's a mysterious, powerful force, but it's how God operates. And when you step out in the water and obey God, it pleases him. It pleases God when you believe him and take him at his word. It pleases God when you live godly in a culture that's crazy. It pleases God when you put him first with your life. When you trust him. When you give of yourself to him. And the scripture says, the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. So let me ask you this morning, how is your relationship with God? Is your relationship with God alive? Is it thriving? Is your relationship growing? Do you trust him? You know how you can tell the state of your relationship with God? It is when he's actively dealing with you about something. It, it, is he speaking to you? It, are you hearing his voice? Maybe he's correcting you. Maybe he's comforting you. In quiet moments, is your conscience being stirred? Do you sense the presence of the Lord? Is your relationship intact? That's what faith is. That's the, that's the basic bottom line. Or maybe there's a promise that God has spoken. Will see me through some of the things I'm faced with. Or maybe there's a promise that God has spoken to you. If he said something to you, if his word's alive in your heart, hold on to it. Maybe it's about your finances. Maybe you're stressed out about it. Maybe it has to do with your future.
You don't know what to think. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what decisions you got to make. Maybe it has to do with family, backslidden kids, people that have walked away from God. You're worried about what, what the future holds for them. But if you have a word from the Lord, you know, my mom would tell me that. She, I prayed for you. Great shall be the peace of my children. And she'd speak that over us. And I remember hearing that when mom would pray. And, and I remember how it saw me through so much difficulty and, and turmoil in teenage years. Maybe there's a situation in life that you have to stand up to. This could be a time for you to take a stand. I don't know what situations you're faced with. Uh, I don't know what Satan has put in your way. The scripture says resist him and he'll flee. I don't know what storms are blowing at you. I do know there's a man in the Bible, 2 Samuel 23, his name was Shama. And he stood in a bean patch and positioned himself against the enemy and won the battle that day because he took a stand for the Lord. He stood tall. So I, I don't know if you're in a battle. I don't know what things you need to stand on. But what I feel like, this may not be for everybody, but if you're in a battle and you need to take a stand, I want you to stand up right now. I just feel like maybe there's somebody and some things this year you're going to have to stand in faith with. And if you're facing something, if there's a battle going on, I'd like you to stand up wherever you are. A battle in your body, a battle in your mind, a battle that you need to overcome. If it's something that you need to stand for, I want you to stand up. And we're, we're going to just... Stand together in faith, believing that God will see us through some things. It's a marriage you're believing for. Children, finances, I don't know what it is. But if you are believing God for things, mm, new things, fresh things, I want to pray it over you. So Father, I just thank you for the people of God standing strong in faith. I declare increase and victory over them. Mm. I thank you, Father, for bigger and greater and further. I thank you, Lord, for answers to prayer. I thank you, Lord, that you go before us and you make crooked places straight. Mm. I feel like the spirit of faith is in the house this morning. I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. I feel like the people of God are coming alive. You know, and I said that the first person I saw stand up was my friend Jim over here. Yeah, right there. Come on out over here. I want to come to this side right here. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you, Jim. I, I felt like when you stood right up, you're going through something. I don't know if it's grandchildren. I don't know if it's health. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that this man is standing strong and firm for the Lord. I pray right now, God, that you answer every prayer. I pray the peace of God. I pray, oh Lord, I pray no striving. I pray peace in his sleep, peace in his home, peace over every endeavor. I thank you for healing his body. I thank you, Father, for the good things you have for him. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a great verse. Thank you in this house. There's people all full of faith. And I just declare, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a great verse in the book of Joshua. Every word the Lord declared came to pass. Every good thing the Lord spoke over his people came to pass. So Lord, this, yeah, I feel like this is a year for us to just believe God. We're believing God for better marriages. We're believing God. He's going to see us through every trial, every struggle, every battle, everything in your way. I just feel like the Lord's going to meet you in that moment if you put him first. Yes, I thank you for a spirit of endurance upon your people. Thank you for endurance and wisdom. Ooh, I feel the goodness of the Lord. I feel like you believe God is going to see you through some things. You believe that? I feel in my heart, man. He's got you. He's going to be with you. And I want to remind you what the Bible says. The just shall live by faith. Oh, that stirs me up, man. Man, you got to put your faith in the Lord. And he'll meet you right there. I feel, I feel, I just feel stirred this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you. Oh, Lord. We love you and we thank you. God is so good. Isn't he good to you? Man, he's good. He's good. He's good.
All right, we got a lot of stuff going on here in January. Meeting, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to that date night. So if you want to sign up out there on the floor, you have a good time with that. Um, if you want to pray for something, if you want prayer, I'll meet you down here at the altar because I feel the spirit of faith. And sometimes the scripture says, if you get two or more people praying with you, it will come to pass. So if you want prayer for something specific, I would love to pray with you because I feel like God's going to meet you in this next year. I don't know what it is you're believing for. I know that he is able to hear our cries. His ears are open to the righteous. Amen. Amen. I feel, I love you all very much. Get home safe. Enjoy staying home on a nice warm day. I love you so much, man. Faith and love is in this place. We love you. God bless you. We'll catch y'all next week. If you want prayer for something, you better come down, man.